You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. My name is Michael. I am one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning. I will do my best to acknowledge all y'all over there and all y'all over there. Um, uh, Where does your mind go when you hear the word power? Do you think of uh, strength? Do you think of uh, an arm wrestling match? Do you think of MMA? Do you think of uh, control or do you think of legislation? Do you think of institutions and and hierarchies or or lightning coming from the clouds or the Incredible Hawk or or Power Rangers, Titus? I know that's what you're thinking about. Um, Do you think uh, uh, in a room, the one with power is the decision maker, maybe? Well, there is a a Netflix show called uh, Project Power. It's a movie. And in that movie, I I won't give away spoilers that you couldn't glean from the previews, I don't think. But the the storyline is this. You take a a pill, and you get power. Um, You get some special power for for a period of time. That power is unique to you, so it's not the same. So as I'm watching this, and I'm understanding the storyline, I'm thinking, uh, you're going to have to define power. Like, what does that even mean, all right? But then as, this, as, as it, like, unravels, you kind of see what's going on. And I think it's, like, for, like, five minutes you get this power. And so you take this pill, you, you set your stopwatch, and then you have this power for uh, a very short period of time. Now, some, one guy is, like, all, like fire man. Not like he doesn't put out fires. He is made of fire, and yet he is not consumed, right? Um, and so he, he's, he's a flaming guy, right? And it, Others have an invisibility or kind of invincibility, could actually take a, a gunshot and it not uh, destroy you or even, you know, like uh, harm you in any way. Um, other guy has like bone, hands, sword things, all right, some other stuff. Um, and, and another person, you put them in like a subthermal environment, they are able to like be warm no matter how cold it is and vice versa. And so there's all kinds of, all, all kinds of powers that they get, right? But, and and the, the thing of it is, um, is, is you don't know what your power is. Uh, there's quite a risk. You don't know what your power is until you take the pill. And then there is this risk that, that you could take this pill and you could have this superpower for five minutes or you could explode, all right? And there's no way to know. The only way to know is, is to take the pill. So what would the appeal of something like that be? Well, if you, if you just back up for a second, you think, well, it would be great if I just caught on fire and could torment people. Maybe that's the thing. But, but really, the appeal is, is, is maybe something like this. I've never had power, or I've never felt powerful. But if I take this pill, then, then for once in my life, I'll be the one calling the shots. I'll be the one dictating the terms I will have the power. And the obvious tension of something like this or a storyline like this, it arises, well, well, who has the pills? Because whoever has the pills has the power and, and so on. But, but the reality is power isn't just having the biggest biceps. That's not what power is. 
like so many unfulfilled quick fixes that we go after in this life, we can't just gain what we don't have by taking a pill. Uh, that is the intrigue, though. That is the intrigue of the storyline. It's, it's an escape. It's like when you watch that, you start to think, or, or it's like watching uh, uh, my lottery dream home or something, right? And you just you sit there, and you just kind of drift, and you think, gosh, well, what if? What if? What if I did have that type of power? I wonder what my power would be. What would I use my power for, right? So, so it's like a window. It's an escape, a window into the what if. But because we know that there's no such thing currently approved by the FDA on the market, uh, that, that, is, that is such a pill, mere humans like myself and most of you, um, we, we get to vie for power through other more natural means. And, and, and for some, you might run from it. You might say, I, I don't desire, I never desire to make a decision in my life. All right, if someone says, hey, you're going to, no, I will not. And you just, you run as far away uh, from power as you can. And, and others, they run hard after power. And it might show up in a, in a million different ways, maybe by acquiring wealth or or just physical beauty or, or having a tough persona or owning the most or, or having the best or, or saying the most with the loudest voice or, or, or bringing others low so that you might be brought high or, or having low friends in high places. All those things will give us power. And the problem with our power is that we, we only seem to have any real power when we have more than our neighbor. That is the nature of power. It's, it's always contingent on what is around us. By culture, uh, and I, I would say for us in this room, for those who, who maybe grew up in the United States of America, and I won't speak for others, but we are trained to prioritize self. And so we would say something like, well, if if not me, then no one. Like, so, so we would desire to, to get the thing. And then, then if someone else has power, what do we do? We, we mistrust them. Out of the gate, we mistrust those with power. We mistrust anybody with power, unless it is who? Unless it's ourself. Now that might show up in a church like this, that we see... Uh, built upon the, the, f- the fabric that God designed and, and laid out for the church to, a, to exist in the New Testament that's, that's led by a plurality of elders, right? And you might say, well, when do we vote as members? And, and we can talk about this at s- some other time, but, but, but we don't vote. That might make you feel uncomfortable. Or you look at the way that our government is set up, and you know that we came from tyranny, and we're like mindful of that on the horizon. We set ourselves up for that in, in some ways, and so we have checks and balances within government so that, that one person, one man or one woman cannot have all of the say. And to that end, one is powerful when others are powerless. Everyone can't be powerful. There is, there is the powerful, and there are the powerless, and so that that thirst for power brings so often the worst from people 
And, and when, historically, and when someone gets power, or, or a lot of the power, or all of the power, it often brings the worst for them to keep that power. And, and much of the ruin that has come from history's atrocities and, and wicked rulers and, and the dehumanizing of, of fellow man and, and racisms and sexisms and, and other isms, exploitation, deceitful gain, oppressing the poor and powerless, all of these things that God clearly detests. The, the, the idea of equality of man is a biblical precept. It is what we say the imago Dei, that we are all made in the image of God. We are all image bearers from conception to death. We are image bearers, broken at that, but image bearers uh, of our creator God. We see in superhero movies, usually they have uh, villains in search of power, and maybe they're after uh, six stones to put in their uh, glove gauntlet. And once they gather those stones, then they have what? They have all of the power. And some of you didn't know that, but that's a thing. You can look that up, all right? Um, it, it shows up in other ways, in, in, in people uh, creating these weapons and fictional characters and all these things, creating weapons that get into the wrong hands, or when, when people look at Superman, he isn't trusted because, one, he's not one of us. He's from a foreign place, and, and secondly, he is nearly all-powerful. So we, so we mistrust all these villains, and, and even ourselves, we miss in many ways. But the primary way, uh, the primary misunderstanding that we have is, is we misunderstand the idea of cosmic power. God alone is omnipotent creator, and everyone and everything else is submissive creation. That meets you in a couple ways. It meets you with mistrust. Oh, that's how it is, huh? It meets you with objection. Mm, you're not going to get me to... to to put my fist down so quickly, right? And what I hope that we understand in our time together today is that there is no better place for us to be than understanding our role as submissive creator to this one true, all-powerful, good God. So I ask again, what is power? Sam Storms gives a definition in his book, The Attributes of God. He says a highly, I think this will be on the screen, a highly simplistic definition of power would be that it is the ability to produce effects or to accomplish that, uh, what one wills. The scriptures clearly affirm not only that God has such an ability, but that he has it without limitations. Hence, we speak of God as being omnipotent, infinite in power. So I, I hope that we can see this today, and, and this is 9 of 10 in this series where we're looking at He is in the ways that God is not like us. He is omnipotent, and, and in this study, it's a, a thematic or a systematic series carved out to shine light from the scriptures on the nature of God so that we might live differently. And today we get to lean into a simple interaction between Jesus, his disciples, and the wind. 
And my, my hope is that it helps us not only see the power of God, but see how his power shapes us to lay down our own. Jesus has power over all creation around you and all fear within you. Jesus has power over all creation around you and all fear within you. And so I want to read this text once again in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23, and I want to read the whole thing. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The first thing that we get to learn from this is life reveals the limits of our power. <clears throat> For these men on this day, they found themselves on a boat in a large sea in a bad way. And I don't know if you can relate to that in a nautical sense, right? I don't know if you've ever been in this environment, but do you know what? I have been. I want to tell you about it. Way back, summer of 2020, I was in uh, Brookville Lake, Right? A couple boats. It was, it was the Grams, us. It was the Shorts. Some people over here, raise your hand. Shorts, that's okay. It's my in-laws. Um, the Jewels, Tim, you can raise your hand. Hey, uh, Madison, you're in there too somewhere. All right, all those people, a bunch of people over there. And, and we had a couple boats, and we had some wave runners, and we had some, a tube and, and sunburn, and all the things that come with a good time at the lake. Um, upon us arose a storm. And in the distance, we saw it, but when you're on the lake, you kind of don't know, and, and you're looking, in, in my estimation, I saw it, and I thought, no, it's clearly going that way, it's obvious, you know. Josh, he's like a weatherman, and so he's all like, no, it'll be here in seven minutes, and you know, like, whatever. Um, and so, uh, some time passes, and, and uh, it's, it's there, like the storm is upon us, and so we start to run, we're in, in the, you know, hey, kids, get in the boat, whatever. And then we start to go, hey, we're just going to go away from it, all right? Even though it's like this big, long strip, it doesn't matter. We're just going to go away from it. We're going to stay in the water, go as far away from it as we can. Uh, and, and so we start to do that. But then things get kind of like, is that the best decision? I don't know, because here's what uh, tension does. It, it fractures. And so at that point, there was a boat that went to run from it, and there was another boat that went to, like, just get out of the water. And there's a long line at the at the ramp, and so we go, and we get the vehicles, and the winds start to blow, and the rain starts to come down, and, and then we lose communication. Some of our kids are in someone else's boat, and right? So we can't figure out what's going on, but, but what happened was half of us fled, half of us hid under a rubber tube in the woods. Um, <laughs> another half of us just spun tires on the boat ramp trying to get it out as the rain came down and my father-in-law and my son were in the boat just like, what is happening? And all the while, there is this, this sun visor in the vehicle that I'm in and it just keeps flapping down. And I'm like, literally like, I'm going to lose my mind. Rain, all the things, right? And, and here we are. Tensions were tense and, and here I am 
to tell the tale of God's mercy to save, right? We made it. But these guys, these guys that we read about in this text, they were more seasoned sailors even than we, right? And, and in a more serious scene, see, they had seen it all. They had been around the sea their whole life. And they knew how difficult it would be when a storm came upon them, that, that they knew for real that their life could be in danger. And yet they feared to the point of death, save us, Lord, we are perishing. So, so all of us collectively in this room, we may not be working against life and death instances or obstacles on the daily, but we still have a great deal to learn about the storms that rage and, and the God in our boat and where our hearts turn when life presses in. And so as we observe and we consider what's going on here, these guys, they've been walking with Jesus for some time. Right, and Matthew puts it in, in chapter 8, I think in Mark, it's in the front end of, of their life with him and, and them following him. So, so they know him, they know his claims, they're, they're learning, they're disciples, so they are learning at the feet of Jesus, literally. And they might have said something like, who is this God who, who sleeps while the storms rage? Like, what is it? What is he doing? Why, why would he sleep at such a time as this? How could he? And, and who does he think that he is? And, and we know the reality is that, that no one can sleep when they're fearing for their lives. I remember being a kid. My parents, hey, tornado, let's go in the basement. And, and I'm, I think eventually I fell asleep. But in my mind, I'm like, no way. Like, I'm not, like, this is scary stuff, Right? And so who, who can do that? No one can sleep when they're fearing for their life. So Jesus, he lays low, the waves crash, and he is unwavered. The only reason why he would do that is because he is the God of all power. No power of man or, uh, or hell can prevail against him, and no wind or wave can scare him. He knew that, but they did not. So here's the question. Where did they turn? But we'll get to that. Maybe a better uh, reflection question for us is, where do you turn when the wind blows and the rain falls? When you come to the end, when you come to your end, when, when life reveals the limits of your power, what is your response? Do you, do you power up? Do you posture and you say, oh, I got this. It's okay. Do you pretend do you perform? Do you run? Do you give up? Do you get angry? Do you blame? Do you lash out? Do you turn against others or, or escape through drink or smoke or, or pill? Do you come unhinged and unglued because things are outside of your control? Do you hurt others to benefit yourself? Do you deny your own weakness? Or... Do you turn to Jesus with confidence, knowing that your life and your death is in his hands because he alone is the God of all power? Super simple. Life shows us the limits of our power. The span of our control is, is drastically embellished. We forget that we are dust or as one of my favorite movies says you, you have been weighed you have been measured and you have been found wanting 
that happens in our life. And, and, and when that happens, when you reach those limits, do you turn from God and to yourself and the power of your own hands? Or do you turn to God? And don't get me wrong, we still get to bail water. And we still get to go to a safe location if we're able to. We get to react. We get to do work. But this is the revealer. In, in this way, most people, I'm just guessing, the majority of people in this room would say, God is all-powerful and I am not. And yet, many people in this room would live as if he weren't. So do you trust God? Simple reflection. Simple revealer. Do you trust God? And maybe here's a helpful way to consider it. Is prayer your first response or is it your last resort? The second thing. All creation is subject to his power. See, and, and not only, but nothing is outside of his power. Nothing is outside of his influence, his ability to bring about change. He is unlimited in his ability to bring about whatever he wills. And next week, we will look at God who is sovereign. He has infinite rule. And we'll see that not only does he have the ability to do it, he has the power, but he, in fact, does his We read passages of scripture like in Colossians 1, 6, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All of the things, all made through him and for him. We read in Romans 1, for his invisible attributes, the character, the, the nature of who he is, namely his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly perceived. And he goes on and he says, therefore we are without excuse. Jen Wilkin helps us summarize like this. She says, though we do not always perceive it, God's power is always active and absolutely unfledging. Unlike us, he does not need to take a break to regain his strength. He does not require sleep or rest of any kind because he does not faint or grow weary. He has never needed nor taken a Sunday afternoon nap, never nodded off in the midst of reading a sentence of a favorite book or during a sermon like this one. Your mouth's closed, not your eyes. Just kidding. Um, but that's true. The six days of creation did not drain one iota of his power, yet in his compassion... He set a pattern of rest on the seventh day for the benefit of his power-limited creatures. So when Jesus is sleeping, God's power is still in control. And the beautiful, frightening thing about all this is that the people in the boat, as scared as they were, they turned to sleeping Jesus to save them. They did do that. Now, we don't know whether or not they trusted him or they had exhausted their natural options and hope. Like, let's do all the things. He's a carpenter anyway. What does he know about sailing? Just let him sleep. And maybe they got to the point, we just don't know. We can sort of conclude, by the way, that Jesus uh, sort of rebukes them for not trusting him. 
But we don't know how the, the story unfolded. But they did turn to him. God, save us for we are perishing. So we get to observe that and we get to learn in two regards. Because Jesus is God and because God has all power in his hands, we too get to turn to Jesus for salvation from certain death. We we too get to do this. We get to turn to Jesus for salvation from certain death. This is our only hope Save me, for I am perishing, is the heartbeat of the Christian heart. Save me from sin that swirls around me and from the sin within me. Restore my soul. God, save me. And you might say, well, yeah, 30 years ago, I remember praying that prayer when I was seven years old, and that pastor preached that sermon, and I came forward. But here's the thing. I I think if we get this right and we understand what's at stake and we understand our hearts and our proclivity for them to wander, we understand the, the, the evil around us and the evil within us apart from God's grace and mercy, then rather than when we wake up, we start reciting prayers of God, would you help me through this day? And I have that presentation at 1 o'clock. Can you please let the internet not fail during that presentation? All fine prayers. Those are fine things to pray for. We get to cast those cares upon him. But what if we started beginning, middle, and end? God, save me. Save me from the world outside. And God, save me from me. So to do that, we have to first realize that certain death is our natural end all of us, that we are sinners broken by the sin that we contribute. I am a sinner, and my only hope is the grace of God. And also, we we get to understand that we have limited power. There's, like so many of these attributes, when we see who God is and who we're not, it shouldn't bring anxiety to us. It should cause us to just sigh for a second and say, oh gosh, I, I forgot that I have limited power. That's okay. The second thing we get to learn in this is is we also get to turn to him when storms rage and, and we don't have the power to control anything around us. And look, that that happens. If not daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, things happen outside of our control. These are the daily worries. That, that Jesus points our hearts to time and time again. He tells us, pray this way, give us this day our daily bread. God, today I, I need you, and I need you to provide for my needs. And I'm trusting, God, God, give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. God, would you not let my heart be, be prone to wonder? Would you let me believe and trust who you are and walk in your ways wherever you lead me. We get to remember that if he cares for the sparrow who falls, and he knows the the number of hairs on our head, and he cares for the flower of the field, surely he cares for his own children. So we get to what? Cast our cares upon him because he cares for you. He is powerful and he is caring. 
So we said it many times when we've been looking at these attributes, but it is his attributes, and in this context, his power that eases our mind, our hearts, and our fears. So when I read this main idea once again, let's look at it as like a cause and effect. Uh, uh, Jesus has power over all creation around you. And if that be true, then he has power over all fear within you. It is the external that brings peace inside of us. He has power over all creation out. And the third thing, God's power is made manifest in weakness. The word manifest, it means kind of to show up or to make visible. And we see that in, in the scriptures. God's power is made manifest in weakness. The same Jesus who calms the storm, as we see in this text. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. You can imagine, it's, it's life or death. And, and the boat is all over the place, and the water's coming in, and, and save us, and, and they're screaming, and, and grab the rope, and pull the sail, and I don't know any of those things, but I'm sure they were saying those things. Throw the weight out. I, I don't know. Throw yourself out. Frantic, paranoia, chaos. Life is over. If this thing flips, we're done. Jesus, save us. Jesus wakes up. Does he stretch? Does he just wake up with frantic fear inside of him? Are, are they telling this story later, Jesus, when you woke up, dude? You were scared to death. I don't think so. And I'm not saying that he woke up and stretched. Ah, zap. And what he did was probably something like this. Gosh, you guys are freaking out. I've been telling you. Have faith. You're, you're not... You're not demonstrating any faith. And he, and he rebuked the sea and the wind, and there was a great calm. And you can just imagine, when, when there is a thing that's the biggest thing in your life, and you're literally, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, I, for some of you it might be, I, I have to give a presentation in front of other humans. Like, I, I'm literally, <laughs> and then it's over. And you can sit in your car, and you can just breathe, and it's calm. And you, you can suddenly hear birds chirping. There's calm around them, and man, there's calm within them. Oh my gosh, that was scary. And then they say this, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? And look, I know we read the scriptures like, ah, oh, it's all God, and, and we know that Jesus is, but, but in this context, Jesus was revealing himself to be God. And so they're like, yeah, this dude's doing some crazy stuff. And he's healing blind people. And he's, he's making outrageous claims. And then all of a sudden, the storms rage. Fear grips them in their hearts. And he says, wind, rain, stop. And it stops. You can imagine these dudes were shook. Are you kidding me? Is this dude really who he continues to say that he is? Does he really control even the weather? Because if he does, there is nothing outside of his control. 
So he had all power, and yet, yet Jesus lays down his life to save his weak people. On this boat, on the sea, he demonstrated his power over creation. On the cross later on, he demonstrated our power and our only hope to overcome God's wrath and sin's demand. And, and through the resurrection, just days later, he, he, he defeated death. He demonstrated his power to overcome this world and death and sin. And he paved the way for us, for you and for me to do just the same. And he tells us, I, I am the path. I am the way that leads to life. For those of you who were in the uh, indivisible class this morning, this was in my notes before you all said it. I just want you to know that. But, but God is God and I am not. We get to remember that. God is God and I am not. And God's might is not something to oppose by our own power, but to embrace as the source of our power. The source of our power is God's might. It is his design which dignifies, which equalizes, which is the root of human flourishing. And now that idea brings fear to many who assign and assume that he is like we, but he is not. He is all-powerful, and yet he is all-good. So when we uphold this reality. It changes what we trust in. It changes what we fear. It changes how we live. And hear me, it changes what we love. It changes how we love. God alone is creator of all. He is self-sufficient, self-sustaining, infinite, eternal. He is all power. And rather than this bringing anxiety and fear to us, it is the truth which liberates and it inaugurates the greatest peace this world can know, that nothing is outside of his control. Nothing, no thing is outside of his control. And if that doesn't bring rest, then it's because we don't know who he is. So what of the power of this earth? There is power in the hand of man. We see it every day. We've seen it all of our life. We see it when we go to work, and we see it when we, when we drive the streets. We see it on TV, and we see it in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own neighborhoods, whatever it looks like. There is power in the hand of man. And so what we get to uh, embrace is this, that, that any power that we have comes from him, and it is mere influence that we get to steward to reflect the nature of his power. So just like, like resources, like time and money, power, or, or influence. See, when I say the word power, it just sounds negative. When I, like in my heart, in my mind, when I say that word, it's like someone like, you want to go, right? But that's not the way that it is with God. What we get to steward any influence that he has given us to reflect his nature. We get to behold the king. We get to build his kingdom. We get to care for the powerless in a way that puts the powerful love of Christ on display. We all have some power. Everyone in this room, you have some 
power. And it might be a, a different sphere. It might be s- small, big. But, but we, we, we love power even from our youth. We play games like Simon Says. And you can just tell a lot about a kid when you let them be Simon. Right? You just, they want to make them do something that just, like, they just want to assert themselves. Or if you say, okay, there are four kids, cousins, or a classroom or whatever. Hey, I'm going to leave the room. I'm going to put uh, you in charge. Okay, you're going to put me in charge. Here's what you're going to do, right? Just watch it. And you think, what, you just outgrow that? You don't. You don't just outgrow that. Maybe you push it down. Maybe you try to wring it out. But that is in us. But here's the deal. We, we have to ask, what does it do in us to, to have that power? What does it do in us to preserve the power that we have? What does it do in us when we don't have it, but we thirst for it? See, God isn't searching for a pill or, or a, a stone or a position. He isn't coercing power. His power isn't concerned with the strength of others. He isn't working out to avenge or to overcome his weakness. He is infinite in power. Dane Ortland says it this way. Jesus is not Zeus. He was a sinless man, not a sinless superman. He woke up with bedhead. He had pimples at 13. He never would have appeared on the cover of Men's Health. He came as a normal man to normal men. He knows what it is to be thirsty, to be hungry, to be despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, misunderstood, falsely accused, suffocated, tortured, and killed. He knows what it is to be lonely. His friends abandoned him when he needed them the most. Had he lived today, every last Twitter follower and Facebook friend would have unfriended him when he turned 33. He who will never unfriend us. So when we have power, we get to look for ways to use it for good. Romans 15 We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That is a zinger. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. That does not give us the obligation to be frustrated with, to condescend, to take advantage of. That's not what it says. That's not what our life in Christ invites us into. New hearts through Christ are our hope to use power to die to ourselves, to die to greater gain, and and for us to live lives uh, that, that build others up. Second Corinthians. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, this is Paul, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness may rest upon me. See, Jesus lays down his power because he had nothing to prove. The upper hand.
but, but, but Jesus shows us a better way, that his power is revealed in weakness. And when we put our life in his hands, we no longer have anything to prove. You who are in Christ are beloved child of the living king, creator of the universe, sustainer, redeemer. You have nothing to prove. No more, I'm the one in charge. No more hiding behind shallow, superficial, worldly-minded camouflage that we mistake for power. You have nothing to prove. So we can lay down our power and use our weakness to lift others up. If this is true, that that Jesus has power over all creation, around you and all fear within you, then, then we get to do these three things. Acknowledge the power of God. Right? We get to acknowledge the power of God. We get to influence where we can and trust him where we can't. And we get to use our influence, as, as Micah tells us, the prophet Micah, we get to use our influence or our power to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. Man, we get to respond today. We get to repent and, and reflect and, and respond. We can do that in lots of ways. You can sit right where you are, right? God wants to hear from you. You, you can stand up and sing with a by yourself. Kneel down if you would like. You can go back to that red tree. Or there's a red tree over there that someone would love to pray with you, to bear with your burden today. We can respond by taking communion. This is for those who are in Christ, and it's not for those who are not. There's no reason for you to do this, but what we get to do is we get to remember Christ's body that was broken and his blood spilled, and we get to declare the same truth as our only hope. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you have all the power, and yet you demonstrate love so rich that you sent your son and he laid down his life. He laid down his power. He showed your power through weakness and he invited us to join you, to sit at your table, to share the the meal of communion even today. Father, we need you. Would you let us remember? Would you remind us today that, that there is nothing outside of your control, outside of us, or inside of us, would you ease our fear today? In Jesus' name, amen.